Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today. We are coming out of the Christmas holiday. So I hope everyone out there who celebrates Christmas or whatever you celebrate, I hope you had a good holiday season. And one of our last guests that we have for 2023 is a really cool gentleman, really excited to share this with the audience. But Tim, I want to share with the audience as well how you are doing. How was your holiday season? Are you feeling like 23 was a good year? I'm feeling great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, 2023 was great. I had a, uh, a good time. A lot, uh, lot of family to end the year, which is uh, always nice. And this interview is with a fellow named Jerry Colbert. He is an Emmy nominee, and he also hosts the kids' educational podcast, Who Smarted, which is a big hit. But this conversation, Lance, is about his new podcast called Slaycation. Jerry is a seasoned television producer who has teamed up with a comedy writer and his wife, Adam and Kim, to explore these crimes that happen while people are on vacation, whether it's international or domestic. And he talks about a few of them here, some of the ones that stood out to him. The show actually premieres in January, so stay tuned for that. It's Slaycation. And just a word of note here, Tim, do you remember that I was on a bit of a delay during this conversation? Yeah. I I feel like you're always on a delay, though. I am sometimes the brain is on a bit of a delay, uh, but this was a technical delay as well. So just for comedy purposes, you really want to listen to the end of this episode because I leave the delay in when we talk about the delay. So we didn't cut out the delay. So you can hear the period of time that happens after I say something to the reaction. And I was cracking myself up re-listening to it. So just make sure you listen to the, the entire episode. You'll have a good time. Okay, good to hear. Yeah. And uh, Jerry is a, is a funny guy. So we do speak about some crime. He's also produced and uh, developed Discovery ID's show Homicide Hunter with Joe Kenda, who I would imagine a lot of the folks listening know who Joe Kenda is. So this conversation is a lot of fun, really. We go through some of his TV history, and then we speak about some vacation murders or crimes that occurred that they're going to cover on Slaycation. All right, Tim, and you know people can listen to this episode if they want with the commercials, or sometimes people don't want to listen to commercials, and there's an option. Yes, Crawlspace Premium is that option, and it is available to subscribe to via Apple Podcasts, but if you're not an Apple user, you you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for the same product there. You get ad-free episodes, early releases, and our bonus show, which everybody loves. So make sure to follow us on social media at Crawlspace Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. And we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back with Jerry Colber. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Welcome to the podcast, Jerry Colbert. How are you today? I am great. I'm so happy to be here, guys. I love your show. Oh, wow. Thanks. Anytime a guest comes on and that's one of the first things they say, you're good in our book. So would you mind telling the audience who you are, what you do, why you're featured on this show today? Happy to. My name is Jerry Colbert. I am probably best known as the creator and showrunner of a TV series called Brain Games for National Geographic. My company and I also produce shows for Netflix and Discovery. We did a show called Brainchild for uh, Netflix that um, was a science series for kids. The reason I'm here with you guys today is for a very long time, my business partner, Adam Davis, and I 
have been kind of obsessed with vacation murders, right? Murders that happen on vacation. We started thinking about this when we were working on a TV series called Homicide Hunter a few years back. That show was all about murders that happened in Colorado Springs, uh, investigated by this guy, Joe Kenda. Once in a while, one of the murders would be people on vacation. And I was like, wow, that was such an interesting thought because when you're on vacation, your guard is down, you're having fun, you're in a new place. Oftentimes, you know, we, we discovered people will, will murder a spouse or a business partner on a vacation to a foreign destination because they think they won't be able to be investigated by the United States police or get away with it. So we started looking into it. We realized like there was a lot of these, like a disturbing number of people get murdered and commit murder on vacation. And Adam uh, came up with a term for this, which is slaycation. Once he said slaycation, I was like, we got to make this show. I don't care if it's a TV show or a podcast. Uh, we need to make slaycation. Adam's wife, Kim, uh, is the third host on the show. She is a absolute true crime obsessed person. She listens, watches any true crime thing. She's all over it. So she's our true crime nut on the show. Adam is there as on slaycation as, uh, a bit of comedy relief. He's learning the cases in real time. And I'm there because I'm just, I'm just fascinated by it. What makes people kill? And also really fascinated by, on our show, looking at the victims in a, through a much more compassionate lens than they usually are on true crime. So that's who I am. That's, that's why I'm here. Wow, very cool. Yeah, it sounds like a, an interesting idea. I can't wait to listen to it. When is it premiering? Uh, the show premieres January 9th. Okay, great. What's the first case you're going to cover? The very first case we're doing is, I'm just going to add a list here, Shankella Robinson. Uh, Shankella was in the news a lot early this year. Um, she was a young woman who went to Cabo for a vacation with a bunch of friends from Atlanta. Did you guys talk about Shankella at all? Not on the podcast, but I definitely followed the story in the news. So it was a case where this young woman went down to Cabo with her friends and is ends up getting found uh, dead in her hotel room. There was a lot of conflicting information around what happened leading up to her death. Main question was, did she die from o overdosing on alcohol or hitting her head or was she murdered? The case was initially considered an accidental death, but video came out of, of one of her friends fighting with her and, and actually uh, physically assaulting her the day she was found dead. You know, her friends claimed it was alcohol poisoning, but the autopsy and this leaked video suggested, like, maybe there was something else going on. We covered this case on, on Slaycation. We're looking at it now through the lens of, like, it's not in the news as much anymore. It's kind of, you know, fallen off the public radar. But her family really doesn't have closure. You know, it's one of these cases where nothing really quite added up. So we, we re-examine it and, and just try and figure out what really happened. Pretty amazing that you have made it one of the central themes to incorporate the compassion element and make sure that if any family members are listening, whatever you can do to bring some sort of closure, you understand is important. Where in the process was that decided upon? It's a very interesting question. So I worked on Homicide Hunter. Homicide Hunter had run one season. It didn't do that well. Discovery ID had seen a lot of potential in it. So they asked me and, and the company I was working with for the, at the time to you know take a look and see if we could redevelop it. And we did, and we made it, it became their number one show. But in the process of working on that show, I discovered I really, really don't like the true crime genre in general. Not the genre, but the way that it's usually done. I think Joe Kenda brought a really beautiful sense of like care for the victims and, and a desire to bring closure to Homicide Hunter. And I really respected that. Uh, but in the process of working on that show, we looked at a lot of other true crime shows. A lot of them are really exploitative, I think is the right word, where 
it's really talking about the the gory details and the, the sensationalism of the crime. I just was really turned off by that. It's a very low-hanging fruit way to tell these stories. You know, people like it. They want to listen to it. just isn't for me. When we started talking about Slication, it was... Very made very clear right up front, like both from me and, and Kim, um, that we really wanted to make sure that we talked about the victims here and, and wherever possible bring closure. For Kim, that comes from her background as a social worker with victims of domestic violence. Unfortunately, that plays into a lot of these cases, emotional and, and physical violence. So for her, that was very important. For me, just from having seen enough of these shows that don't do that, I also, I've been a, a meditator for many years. I actually got certified to teach Buddhist meditation a few years ago. I don't do it actively, but um, that whole process just kind of put me a lot more in touch with making sure that every side of the story is told and, and really being compassionate. So it was really baked in from from the beginning. How do you inject a little bit of comedy into uh, the show as well? That's mostly Adam. Adam, who is our my business partner, Kim's husband, and our third, our third host, um, his background is as a comedy writer. He's written a lot of comedy screenplays. He's also an incredibly compassionate person. His way of dealing with stressful or challenging situations is to make a joke. The jokes are not at the expense of the victims, but they are a way to just lighten up what can be some very heavy stories. Once in a while, Kim and I have a good line there, but mostly the comedy comes from Adam hearing the stories in real time. And in a way, he's like a, a it's like a release valve because, man, these stories, they're fascinating, but they can get pretty heavy. So I think for, you know, what Adam's role is like just letting letting a little pressure out. I think it's good for the show. It's good for the listeners also to just like not feel like it's just a, a constant barrage of heaviness. It's such a unique carve out in the true crime genre, focusing on murders that happen during a vacation. And I know you said that you'd been interested in it. And I'm curious how far back that goes. Like what got you interested in that? And how did you even find somebody else who, who shares that interest? <laughs> so we, when Adam and I were making brain games for Nat Geo, going back about a decade when we first started doing it, brain games became like a huge hit. It became like their Nat Geo's number one show that led to like pretty much every cable network that you could name calling us up and saying, you know, we'd like blank, you know, done by the brain games guide. So, you know, whether it was discovery channel, travel channel, animal planet, you know, everybody wanted us to talk to them about like, what could, what could their brain games be? One of the channels that called us was discovery ID during the process of trying to figure out what a show could be for them, which we never really landed on. Like what's the brain games version of a, of a true crime show. But in the process of doing that, our research, that's when we started noticing a lot of vacation murders. A couple of years after that, when we were working on Homicide Hunter and really digging into those cases, we started seeing more. So I think the germ of it came from thinking about this a decade ago. You know, man, I'm like, we have a lot of ideas, but like, you know, there's a few of them and I'll just stick in your head forever. I don't know if you guys are like that, where it's like, you know, I mean, your ideas, guys, right? So it's like once in a while, something gets in your head where you're just like, you just think about it for years. And that's when you know you probably should do something with it. So this one's been percolating for, for a while. What would Joe Kenda think of the show? Joe would love this show. <laughs> I'd love to have Joe on the show at some point. Joe's a really, really good, good guy. And I think Joe would love Slaycation. You know, it's got that investigative quality he loves and the compassion that's really important to him. How do you go about doing the research on these stories? Is it the three of you primarily contributing or does one of you kind of take the, the reins on that? Was it Adam who doesn't learn about it until it's time to record? He kind of learns about it in real time? That's correct. Yeah. So Adam's Adam's wife, Kim, she takes the lead on the research. She finds the cases. She's our kind of true crime 
barometer. I mean, she's like, she lives and breathes true crime. So for us, like if she's excited about a case and we're excited about it, so she finds the cases and does the initial research, then she'll share the case with me. I'll do research alongside of her and support her. Adam literally does not even know the name of the case or anything until it is revealed to him while we are recording live, which as you can imagine, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge because, you know, leaving her notebooks all over their house, but we've made it work. And that's another aspect of the show that's really interesting is to have someone on the show who's actually a proxy for the viewer, like in real time, hearing the details of the case and trying to like, trying to figure out what's happening. So Kim and I know what's up and Adam is totally in the dark. Let's talk about Shanquella Robinson's case a little bit more in depth here, if you don't mind. What are your thoughts here without without spoiling the episode? Do you have some opinions you can share in this case? One of the things that we also try to do on this show is when it's possible is to offer some takeaway. I wouldn't call it a helpful tip on how not to get murdered on vacation, but something like that. On some of these cases, there's some things that you could do to make sure you're not in the same situation. Unfortunately, this isn't really one of them. You know, this was one of those cases where you're like, Shankella Robinson did everything right. She went on vacation with what, what she thought were a group of friends. She's not a, a big partier by, by anyone's account, you know, so it wasn't like she was deliberately trying to get messed up and put herself in a bad situation. And in fact, everything that occurred, occurred in the hotel where she was staying with her friends. Tragically, this is not one of those cases where we're like, oh, you know, don't go to this place. Or if you've done this differently, or if you turn back at this point. And honestly, even with the tips, it's so we're, we're so careful. It's never it can't ever be about like victim blaming or somebody did something wrong. It's just trying to like learn from what happened. The only thing I would say about this one in places like Cabo, we, we've noticed like in places like Cabo, or some of the safari destinations in South Africa where murders happen, you know, resort towns on the Atlantic coast, like anywhere that's like a vacation destination, there is a tendency for the police and the coroners to try and say things are, they lean more towards accidents than murder. You don't want to be known as the murder destination, right? You want to be known as a place where people come to play and sometimes people have accidents and bad things happen. So my opinion is in this case, the local police and the coroner uh, and even the hotel to some degree, not that they were being malicious, but they're a- automatically inclined to look at everything through the lens of partier got out of hand, drank too much, hit her head and passed away. So that's where they start. So it was very hard to get them to move off of that. That was the initial decision on what happened. In your opinion, do you think the fight caused her death or led to her death? I do think the fight had something to do with it. Yeah, because she was getting beat up pretty bad. The other part of it that was very disturbing was that her friend, her, you know, air quoting, her friends left Cabo as quickly as they could. Nobody hung out to make sure things were handled correctly. Like everyone just got out of town. On the one hand, you know, when we talk about this on the show, it's like on the one hand, you make the argument, like if you're in a foreign country and the police are closing in around a a death, like someone's inclination might be to, to leave as quickly as possible. So you can sort of kind of understand that, but it's a really, really crappy thing to do, you know, for none of them to have, have really stayed and, and made sure that things were handled correctly. So that that seems a bit suspicious. It's suspicious, but there's you can't really say it means anything because it could have just been a bunch of scared kids trying to get back to Atlanta. Yeah, that's kind of a worst nightmare scenario being jailed in a in a foreign country. What about premeditation? Do you, in your opinion, was there any premeditation there? I don't think so. There was no indication that like anyone went down there with the intention of killing Shanquella. It just seems like 
things got out of hand at, at some point, and it's it, that's what's a little unclear because none of the friends are talking. The autopsy, and I don't want to give away too much because the you know we get into this on the episode, but the autopsy when the parents and the family are able to look at it, it is not totally consistent with saying that she died of alcohol poisoning. There's just some other things going on that they found with her bones and body that suggest other things were happening. This is an interesting case too, because her her family, she's a big family and, and a lot of friends and people that really love her who really just wanted answers and wanted justice done here. This stayed in the in the, in the paper for a while and the news for a while, but uh, it kind of fell out. I mean, there was just a lack of ability, I guess, for the US authorities to, to do much because uh, the Mexican authorities pretty much said this was, you know, this was their decision and it's done. This is a very frustrating thing we've learned making Slaycation. If you get murdered overseas in another country, it is exponentially harder to not just have justice done, but actually figure out what actually happened, which is not to say don't go travel. (laughs) I'm uh, curious why this was the first one that you chose, because it is really difficult to cover a story that takes place over the border and has a lot of these like nuances. I guess if you're actually making a show, I'm answering my own question here. It's kind of tough to do a show about murders on vacation if you're not crossing borders, right? You are definitely, yeah, you're definitely crossing borders sometimes, although there's an awful lot of them that do happen in the United States. The reason we chose this one is it had been in the news a lot. Kim and I had been talking about it a lot. Both Kim and I were really heartbroken for her parents and her family and her siblings. It just felt so like... It just needed to be talked about in a way that wasn't about Cabo murder, you know, blah, 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 like, but really like talk through it in terms of like, who was Shanquella? What really happened? Who was she? Who was the family? Really talk about the, the people more than the actual crime itself. When we started this, Kim and Adam and I have not hosted a podcast before. Adam and I, we do uh, another show, Who Smarted. In terms of a conversational podcast, we hadn't done one. We think that they're great, but they're also really hard to do, to do well, as you guys know. Like, it's it's a skill. Adam and Kim and I have known each other for 20 years. So we figured that would count for something, but we weren't sure. We decided, let's pick a hard case. Let's pick a couple of hard cases to start with, because if we can do those and make it work, then we know we can make the show work. And it worked so well. For us, it was almost like, yeah, to your point, like we started with a pretty hard one to test it and just, you know, kick the tires. How many episodes have you produced so far? Is, is it like uh, broken into seasons? We haven't broken into seasons. We're, we're, we've done, uh, we've recorded about a dozen so far. I mean, we're thinking of it as kind of an always on show. You know, it's probably 35 to 40 episodes a year. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Cool. And what's the second case? So the second case is a case. It's Harold and Tony Henthorne. Uh, this is a United States case. This was a, a wedding anniversary. Harold uh, takes his his wife, Tony, uh, on, on a wedding anniversary to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. During the course of the anniversary, they go hiking. And at one point, she is, according to Harold, she's taking uh, Tony's taking a photo and falls off of a cliff. He is able to get cell service, calls the park rangers, actually goes to the bottom off the cliff where she'd fallen and gets down to her, attempts life-saving measures, but she dies. On the face of it, it just sounds like a really horrible accident, like a just a just a terrible thing that happened. It quickly becomes apparent that there might be more to the story. I mean, we actually have Harold's 911 call to the rangers. We play it on the show. His tone of voice is so not the tone you would expect from someone whose wife is, is dying. It, it, it sounds like he just, he's he knows a lot about like 
the helicopters that should be sent and the wind direction and where they should land. Like it sounds very rehearsed. They then find out that he actually had maps in his car and they found from his cell phone that he'd gone to this location before. And on the maps, he had a literally an X marking the spot. So they start to piece together. Maybe this wasn't an accident. Not only that, but the rangers who, who came to do the rescue described the location where this happened as like a location that they would consider difficult to go to. It's not it's so, so off the beaten path. It became clear pretty quickly that there might be more going on here. It might be foul play. They discover there's quite a few life insurance policies on her. And then the story gets even stranger. And we get into this on the show that his first wife died under mysterious circumstances. There was another woman who had some issues with, you know, he'd actually accidentally dropped a giant girder on his wife like a year earlier when they were doing construction. This guy has like this pattern. We got into this and it's a very sad story, but very interesting story. And, and also one that has a lot of, we think a lot of good takeaway for, for women in abusive relationships. Wait, so he tried to, Harold tried to kill Tony about a year before? Yeah, it was considered an accident at the time, but in, in retrospect, they are quite sure that it was a, an earlier murder attempt. This case, guys, was interesting because, you know, it's, it's just a wild story about what happened. But but at the heart of it is is Tony, the woman who was murdered. You know, this was her second marriage. And, and this is something you know we really dig into on the show is that she was someone who, who had been married before. She, this was her second chance. She was in her 40s and saw this as like the relationship that she was going to be in for the rest of her life. You know, Harold did a lot of things early on that were just red flags, like, cutting off communication between her and her friends, moving her away from where she lived, where she had her successful doctor practice to another place, isolating her her physically. There was just a lot of red flags in terms of his behavior that he was not necessarily a safe person for her. Kim actually is able to speak to this much more eloquently than me because of her work with domestic violence survivors. You know, we, we talk about this a lot on the show. Just things to look for. Not that any of it could have necessarily been prevented, but but there were, you know, there were a lot of red flags in this one. Yeah. Do you find that when you're speaking about these domestic violence cases that the red flags are so subtly occurring and, and spread out that the survivor or the victim of the domestic violence doesn't really see them happening because it's so gradual? Have you had experience like with stories like that? Like it feels like big red flags to us, but to them, they probably don't realize it's even happening until it's far too late. Lance, you're absolutely right. Like there's not like like a giant flashing red light. It's more of a small red flag. And so what we try to do with cases like this is to just highlight for people. She's someone who might not have even ever thought in a million years and I don't think most most women or men who are in abusive relationships ever think I'm likely to be in one of these, right? So you're not really looking for it, but you're absolutely right. It was like this little thing and then this little thing and then a bigger thing and then another little thing. And and people on the outside, Tony, some of Tony's uh, family were very concerned. You know, they, they saw it. Oftentimes a person in the relationship doesn't because they're so subtle. We see that a lot. Did Tony's friends and family figure that something was wrong here like right away? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So, some of them immediately assumed that Harold had done it. Yeah. There, there'd have been enough little things. My God, I, just, I can't imagine like uh, it's it strikes me as like total evil, just like like to go through the steps of planning and traveling to and, you know, looking at the maps and making an, all that stuff like you're planning the whole time to kill your partner that you're living with. Are you kidding me? Not only was he planning to kill her. Right. Which is so, so deeply evil. He was also grooming another woman to be murdered and who he was probably planning on making his next wife also is related to 
the earlier wife he killed and he had taken out insurance policies. Like there's a whole other piece of the story that we get into on the show. That's just, man, it's complicated and diabolical. And, uh, you know, yeah, it does make you realize like some people are actually evil. Does that make him a serial killer? I don't know what the technical definition of serial killer is, but he's killed at least two people. It might be three, but in the same way, like uh, with the same kind of MO. Yeah. So he's close. If not, if not there. I had heard of this and I just had to Google it to see if he was or when he was found guilty and he was found guilty. Do you have like a follow-up episodes anytime? Like there are updates with the stories that you talk about? Often the story has already, you know, when we're talking about it, it may have already been concluded in terms of the, the trial. We're just revisiting the and telling the story from, from a different angle, a different perspective with the victims in mind. You know, in the case where someone, uh, the trial is still ongoing or something is outstanding, we, we will do follow-ups. And as you mentioned, it, it must be easier for a murderer in this case to get away with it if it's in a foreign country. I guess, what's the ratio of cases that you're covering that are ones in in domestic and, and foreign countries? That's a good question. I'm going to look at my list right now and tell you. Let's say our first 10, four or five of them are U.S.-based and four or five are overseas. Wow. Okay. And with the overseas ones, are those mostly uh, the person got away with it? No. I'll I'll throw out one more interesting wrinkle that we get into on Slaycation is we also get into cases where there is an assumption that it was murder, but it might not have been, right? So there's the reverse. Like most of the time, it's someone's trying to make it look like an accident, but it was a murder. Sometimes people are accused of murder, but it might actually have been an accident. And so we do some of those as well. And those are, especially if they're overseas, even more complicated. But yeah, we we have found resolution with some of the overseas ones. There's there's actually a handful of them that are just really tragic that that don't have resolution where in some cases people haven't even been found or, you know, they've been found dismembered and the ability to like really untangle what happened is, is really tough. So we, you know, some of those have become actually two part episodes for us because there's so much to cover. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And how about some rabbit holes that you might've gone down? You've covered, you said about 30 cases so far. Well, we have about 30 that, that we've researched. We've recorded a dozen so far. Okay. So out of the 30 or so that you've researched and the ones that you've recorded, which one is like the one that was the rabbit hole that you go to bed at night and you're just like, I can't get this one out of my head. There was one, uh, this one was just awful. And yeah, this, 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 this one was really tough. It was a spring break story in Myrtle beach. And it was a young woman who was um, 17. She was a college kid. She went to Myrtle beach for spring break and disappeared vanished. I mean, they had her on cameras at one point when they were looking, you know, to try and figure it out. And then she was just gone. The really tragic part of this story is she wasn't even supposed to be there. In fact, her, her mother had forbidden her to go. Her mom had said, I don't know who you're going with. I don't know these people. I don't want you down there. Just you can't go. And so she concocted a story and went very far away from home to this place she'd never been. And yeah, this one was really tough. They eventually found her about 10 years later. Oh, it was over 10 years later. Um, they found her, you know, in a in a grave, and were able to piece together uh, what happened and figured out who did it. But 
that one was just really hard just on every level. Like, you know, just a young person, the mom, just the, the tragedy of the mother having been so adamant that she not go on this trip. And then she snuck away. There's the total lack of closure for the family for, for a decade. And then, and then what the closure is, is not, I mean, kind of know where it's going, but it's still just, just horrible. And, and what made this one really tough, I think of all of the ones we've done so far, there's just no good takeaway from it. You know, there's no, Hey kids, don't, go on trips if your mom says not to, but it's like, this shouldn't happen to anybody. None of this should happen to anyone, but that one was just, that one just hit us really hard, really hard. Was that a case where there was someone that she traveled with that did it? Or was it, was that something that happened while she was there? Nope. Happened while she was there. Someone she didn't know, uh, abducted her, assaulted her and, and murdered her. Oh, that's awful. Do you have any uh, plans for a, a TV version of Slaycation with uh, with all your uh, your TV uh, background? Absolutely. We would love to do a TV version of this show. You know, the original idea was a TV. We originally conceived this as a TV show for uh, Discovery ID back in the day. This version of it, where the three of us are talking about the cases, is wildly different than what we'd pictured a decade ago and so much better. It's so much richer and more, more interesting and you know, I hate to say it is a little, you know, there is something fun about the way we, we go through the stories. Yeah, it would be it would be a great, a great TV show. It's just endlessly fascinating. And each story is so different. And when you really get into the details and really start thinking about the victims and the families, like there's so much to each of these stories that, that doesn't get told. What about a live version? Ever thought about taking it on stage? Yes, actually, a few people have suggested we do that, and we are 100% open to it. We haven't figured out how to, you know, how and when to do that yet, but that's definitely in in the cards. Would you Would you want to come see us uh, record the show? Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. I was looking for some free tickets. <laughs> like, I I feel like I need to have I should have some tickets for you guys right now. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'd love to do it. We'd love to have you guys there. Yeah, that'd be a blast. Yeah. Will you try to focus like a different version of this for TV again? Yeah. So what we're going to focus on first is building a fantastic podcast and a great community around the podcast. That's our focus now. We also found that we love podcasting because we have this direct relationship with our fans that we don't have when we make a TV show. I would love to just spend a while building the show up and building up a community and really hearing from our fans what they love, giving them more of what they love, getting feedback and, you know, Eight months, a year down the road, when we're you know crushing it and uh, the numbers are huge, we'll talk. We'll talk about TV and we'll figure it out. But our focus now is is making a great podcast and like getting a great community of fans. All right, so you've put all of this work into the production. You've recorded a bunch of episodes. It's going to go live in January. You yourself it feels to me could use a vacation. So where is your dream vacation? <laughs> is there a place that you are planning to go or maybe saving up for like, this is, this is my place that I'm not going to get murdered <laughs> if I go. Yeah. And who would you go with too? I feel like that's such a big part of this. So I, I actually am going on a dream vacation a couple of weeks after this launches. I'm going to South Africa with my husband and one of our best friends from Germany, this guy, Mono. Uh, we're going down there for our friend, Robert. Robert's getting married to Katie in Cape Town or near Cape Town. I see you're given all these details. Yes. See, this is my thing. I can't. I can't talk about anything without details, guys. <laughs> Wait a second. Mo- Mono sounds a little bit like a Bond villain. <laughs> a German guy named Mono. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely not a Bond villain. Uh, it's a nickname. So uh, yeah, but uh, we're going down there, and um, yeah, I'm not going to get murdered. I'm going with people I trust. So. 
as far as you know. I'm hung up on Mono's nickname. How did he get the nickname Mono? It's <laughs> a good question. I've never asked him. I've known I've known I've known Mono for years. I've traveled all over with him, and uh, I I have no idea how where that nickname comes from. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll need to know next time you're uh, you're on these airwaves. You want a follow up episode? It'll be all about mono. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just ask him in person when you take us to uh, South Africa with you. Okay. Okay. So you guys are coming to South Africa. Then we're going to do a live show. You're coming to that, and then you're coming back on Crawl Space. Awesome. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Well, in person, I don't speak in a delay. By the way. <laughs> that would be kind of wild if you do. <laughs> but that would be really wild. You know, it, this is the weirdest thing <laughs> to. It's, it's, it's like. The delay is so annoying. <laughs> it is. No, if you had to be introduced in person, it's like, this is my friend Lance. His thing is, he talks with a delay. So just, just wait a few seconds after he speaks. And then speak, and then wait a few seconds. <laughs> That's his nickname, Delay. Delay! <laughs> oh my god. Mono and I could have a show together. Delay and Mono. <laughs> the Mono and Delay show. I love it. The Mono and Delay show. It's so wow, weird to say something and then watch the two of you not do anything for like three seconds, and I'm like, okay. Well, Tim, I thank you, thank you for being in real time. <laughs> I thank you for that as well. <laughs> yeah, this has been a uh, a great chat. Any other cases you want to mention here? Uh, honestly, there's no specific cases. Every case we do on Slaycation is absolutely wild and interesting. And even though I know the details, I'm still sitting there on the edge of my seat. I would just say, tune in, man. We're gonna we'll be there with with a new Slay K every week. Very cool. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a, a lot of fun uh, meeting you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this has been, been a lot of fun for me, too. I appreciate it. University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.